Happy New Year, everybody. Let's jump right into our text for today. It's found in Acts chapter 3, 1 through 10. One day, Peter and John were going up to the temple at the time of prayer at three in the afternoon. Now a man who was lame from birth was being carried to the temple gate called Beautiful, where he was put every day to beg from those going into the temple courts. When he saw Peter and John about to enter, he asked them for money. Peter looked straight at him, as did John. Then Peter said, look at us. So the man gave them his attention, expecting to get something from them. Then Peter said, silver or gold I do not have, but what I have I give you in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Walk. Taking him by the hand, he helped him up, and instantly the man's feet and ankles became strong. He jumped to his feet and began to walk. Then he went with them into the temple courts, walking and jumping and praising God. When all the people saw him walking and praising God, they recognized him as the same man who used to sit begging at the temple gate called Beautiful, and they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. So this passage starts right off, Happy New Year, everybody, right off with surprise. Now, I've heard so many people lately say, I just can't wait for 2022 to be over. I've thought that many times. I've even resonated with that in a conversation. Yes, let's start 2023 off. But how many times have we said that? I can't wait for 1988 to be over. Let's bring in 1989 or whatever it was, 2007, bring on 2008. But my hunch, my gut tells me that there's probably a surprise waiting around the corner for us and things won't just magically all get better with the turn of a calendar page or marking off that December 31st. So as we start this new year, this passage stuck out to me uh, over and over again because it deals with surprises. Here in this passage that we've talked about, it'll be our main text today, there was a man doing the same thing every day, day after day, being carried to this temple gate and begging probably in the hot, well, obviously is in in Israel, hot summer, dust, laying on the ground day after day after day. And it reminds me about the first issue many of us will face after the holidays. The first issue that many of us will face after this video is done, we get back to the grind of real life, some people call it. I like how in the liturgical tradition, they have, they have ordinary time where it's not a feast or a festival, but with God, there is no ordinary time. And I think that's one of the biggest threats you and I face. Not so much as, as detrimental things like pornography or abusing al- alcohol or, or Satan running around tempting us. Those are the results of us being distracted and lulled into sleep by the everyday ordinariness of of our life. And if we're not careful, we'll end up lowering our expectations, lowering our awareness of what God is doing around us. That is a real danger for us, to fall asleep and to go through life on autopilot. I don't want us to go back to a sense of ordinary time and be seduced by the, the pursuit of money or to be seduced by the, 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 the temptations that come with pride or, or reverse pride. 
because it's a danger. We all have things to do when this video's over. Maybe, maybe you, you came here, maybe on YouTube, because you're, you're procrastinating from getting to that pile of mail that's been, that's been stacking up. Uh, tomorrow, January 2nd, there's gonna be phone calls to make and conversations to have, things to fix at your house. Those, those of you in school, there's, there's assignments that, will about, that, that are due for you on Monday. Uh, there'll be places to take your kids, practices and lessons, and uh, maybe you feel like, oh, I don't wanna go back to feeling like an Uber driver because my kids have so much stuff to do and so many places to go. But the reality of our life is that many of us here, something has brought you here because you have a great heart. You want to be more like Jesus. You, something in you probably wants to make a difference in this world, but within days, maybe it's within hours, maybe it's even seconds, we can go back to the same old routine that we always had. So as this year comes up, I want you to be on the lookout for the seduction of routine, for that moment when life tempts you to just put things on autopilot and just put your head down and get through. I love uh, a lot of counselors. I've, I've heard different counselors say this on podcasts and in and, and radio programs. It's a saying that says, when you do what you always do, you get what you always get. So you may uh, enter into this year with all these hopes and expectations for life, and you may try to cram all these new things. Uh, a lot of us are over New Year's resolutions, but there's always that thought in the back of our head, like this year's going to be different. But if we cram all of those new things into the same old way we're living, what happens is, is the result of our expectations becoming diminished. When you do what you always do, you get what you always get. But if we can leave this time together with uh, an intentionality of, of, I call it a holy suspicion of even in the hard things of life, looking for what is God up to? What is going on? God's here somewhere. Maybe, maybe he's here to give me comfort to get through this time. Maybe God's here to use this in, in this situation. Maybe God's going to get glory out of this. So we need to have expectation that we can see things differently and do things differently. Uh, let's not use the same language we've always used and, and have the, the same expectations that we always have. Because if we do things the same way we've always done it, in the same places we've always done it, it's no wonder we feel like we're just running around the same tree all the time. This man in the text, this beggar, he'd been begging for so long that all he could ask for was money. Think about that. This man didn't even know that someone could give him his walking back. This man didn't know that he could get his dancing back. He'd given up on all of that, walking, running, dancing. He had no expectations. And now all he wanted was money. How many of us will go on to the, the, the next video in the queue, the next part of our day with the same expectations? Let's stop right now and think like we have access to the God of the universe. Why would we go back to just trying to produce more 
or acquire more things or go about the, the same activities in the same way, unaware of, of how God could use us and whatever office we're in or, or team we're on or class we're in. Why just fill up our, our to-do list with the same things we've always done? I'm hoping and praying that you will leave this time together with your expectations completely redone by Jesus. I'm hoping for a moment right now where you can hear Jesus calling your name, saying, I'm with you. I'm going to get you through this. I'm hoping you wake up and remember who you are. You're not that negative image you have of yourself when you look in the mirror. You're not the sum of all of your mistakes. Jesus says, you're my son or my daughter. He says it over and over God, in God's word that we are now called sons and daughters of the living God. We don't have to go through life facing the same old, same old. I'm hoping this morning you and I, this tower, whenever you're watching this, you and I wake up to what is possible with God. When your life is touched by Jesus, there's no way you can leave that experience the same. You can't do the same things because you're expecting different results. And I'm using the, routine, the word routine in a negative way. There are some very healthy aspects of having a healthy routine, healthy habits, those types of things. But the way I'm using it, the word routine deadens our imaginations and our expectations. I'm using it to describe how we can fall into an autopilot mode in life. Routine deadens our initiative and routine deadens our energy. One day just melts into the next. Every day, like for the beggar, is just like the other day. And slowly, the life is literally sucked out of us. And we no longer live life, but it lives us. And it, uh, it affects everything in our life. Routine affects our relationships. It affects what we do. Routine dulls us and robs us of time itself. When we're lulled into the routine, we stop noticing, we stop listening, and we can even stop thinking. So here's a man, an axe, whose expectations have been reduced to money. And you and I know people like this. You and I have had times in our life where, where we're in so much pain or we're in such a desperate position where we've lowered our expectations and we're asking for the bare minimum. And we don't expect anything more than that to happen. And we don't have any expectations of even God. Maybe we've given up hope that God will intervene. I've got good news for you. You don't have to be a charismatic Christian to expect God to show up. Like it's for all of us, God's still alive. And here's something I've been working on for the past few months. Some of it's stuff I've heard or read other places or remembered, and I've been jotting this down. It's um, part of a, a, a document I'm working on. I don't, even, I don't even know what to call it yet, but it's called The Church I See. And it's my dream uh, for Solid Ground Church, but I've, I've also seen the potential for this in the folks at Solid Ground Church. And in if this is your first time here, uh, the, the potential I see for you, uh, even, even a first-timer, but I, I jotted this down. It says, I see a church where people can experience the life-changing presence of Jesus, a church where people follow Jesus radically, 
a, a place where worship is authentic and people are transformed, healed, and strengthened in God's presence. I see a church so consumed with the presence of the Spirit that we become empowered witnesses of the good news of Jesus Christ. The entire church, uh, whether it's solid ground or the global church, because of Jesus, the entire church should be filled and fragrant with expectancy. Like we just don't know what God is going to do. And I'm not talking about just being an optimist and not just being oh, everything is, is fluffy clouds and life is like, a, like some sort of musical. But we are expecting God to come through, trusting that God will be the God we know he is. God will be the God who he says he is, anticipating, waiting, but routine. If we're not careful, it can transform us into one-dimensional people, and we can lose touch with the power of our choices. We can lose touch with the options we have. We can even put life on hold, and that'll never happen. But when we put life on hold and, and put it into storage and just leave it there, oh, what a waste. God, is, if you have breath in your lungs, God wants to use you. God still has a purpose for you. What if we came out of this time saying like, Lord, I don't even know what to expect and started expecting God to show up and started talking to people. I'm so expectant. And they said, what are you expecting? And you say, I don't know. Like when, when you have an experience with Jesus and you get that, that hope planted inside of you again, and it makes you expectant. You just don't, you don't have to have everything figured out. But just going out in a different direction. If we don't expect something new, we may never experience something we didn't know. Don't settle for what you always know. Maybe you're sitting there saying like, well, Mike, you don't know. My boss is a real piece of work. And... <laughs> I don't know if anything's ever gonna change at my work. Uh, I'm so busy. I just wish I had more time to, to spend with my kids. I don't even recognize my kids anymore. Maybe, maybe today your, your first step is saying, I'm going to expect that I'm gonna have a healthy conversation with my boss and say, here's my capacity, here's where I'm at. I can't just keep going at this pace anymore. Maybe, maybe your first step is saying, I'm going to be intentional about my family. I'm going to intentionally date my spouse again. I'm going to rekindle that passion uh, and do what they never expected. I'm going to show up and say, honey, the kids are they're, they're taken care of. We're going to go out tonight, and uh, it's, it's going to be fun. Maybe, maybe for you, that's unexpected. It's amazing how the enemy works in our culture. It's not just the obvious attacks on our Judeo-Christian values, but this culture is trying to distract us, to, to get us off course, and subtly crush our expectations. So the routine of going after just comfort, the routine of going after achievements or acquiring more stuff, or, or the routine of, of people-pleasing, it, it can kill us. I love, I call him a philosopher and a theologian. His name's Robert Fulgham. Uh, and this guy can write a title for a book. I mean, 
Oops, it was on fire when I laid down on it. How is that not an amazing title? <laughs> but he also wrote everything I needed to know I learned in kindergarten. And he talks about how you can gather a group of kindergartners and, and ask them, hey, do any of you draw? And all the hands go up. Uh, you can ask them, uh, hey, can you draw a blue duck? And they're like, oh yeah, no problem. You can ask them, hey, can you draw a, a giant Jeep stuffed with bananas in the middle of a jungle floating on a boat? And they'll say, sure, where's the crayon and paper? You ask them, do any of you play music? And they're like, sure. Do any of you dance? Oh yeah, I dance all the time. The answer is yes. And I, I love, this is what he writes about kindergartners. The kids are confident in spirit, infinite in resources, eager to learn, and everything is still possible. And he asks the question, what happens between kindergarten and college and career age? If you ask college and career age young adults, they may say yes, but they'll give qualifiers. I draw, but only a little, or I, uh, I've never been trained in music. I, I've never trained that in that, um, in that instrument, or I only dance uh, salsa. I've had three lessons. And then if you ask older crowds, which I put myself in, the answer is just no. What happened? What went wrong? He asks between kindergarten and adulthood. And I ask us today, like, where is our sense of wonder? And life may have tried its best to beat it out of you and me at times, but we still serve the same God. Let's not leave our times together without our expectations being recalibrated. And today we need to leave with, with uh, a sense that God is up to something and that something is good. Don't let life in this world kill your wonder. Peter and John, they healed the guy and the crowd was filled with a sense of wonder. They were astonished. The crowd was amazed. And they, they actually were amazed to the point where they praised Peter and John. And Peter had to stand up and say, no, 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 this has nothing to do with us. This has everything to do with the God of Abraham and Isaac and Jacob. Like, you guys missed it. Like God is alive now. And, and his son, Jesus, he told them the, the good news about Jesus. I think the worst thing that can happen for us is to show up in January of next year and say, we missed it. My hope and prayer is that our expectations are raised. Not that, we, not that we're just ignoring problems or, 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 or excusing dysfunction and sin and, and brokenness, but we don't let all of those realities that we deal with lower our expectations. My hope and prayer is that next year, our expectations are raised even further, that God is going to change lives that God is working in our own difficult circumstances, that God cares about uh, our, our, our problems and our pain. My hope and prayer is that we come back in 2024 and as a church family, we say, wow, God did something and we didn't miss it. Because God is, it's not a trite saying, this isn't a cliche. God is at work and, and he's at work everywhere and we can be in the middle of it. I have a friend with a house church and they are blessed with this young lady named Sadie who was born with Down syndrome. And one day my friend, was, he was looking for 
a passage in Isaiah and they had this awkward moment. He couldn't find it, couldn't remember what chapter it was in and, and it, it got to be beyond awkward. Everyone's like, oh great, here it goes again. And Sadie stood up and goes, well for heaven's sake, let me do it. Pushed the guy out of the way, flipped a couple pages and goes, there, there it is. And he looked down and it was the right passage. And everyone was like, whoa, what is going on here? And to the, uh, after, the, after their gathering, Sadie's dad came up to the pastor and said, you planned that, didn't you? And he's like, no. And he, he, he knew apparently Sadie was in touch with something that the pastor didn't know about. She trusted that God would help her find the passage and she did it and everyone was amazed. The culture around us wants to rob us of our wonder in so many different ways. Maybe someone will get upset. It might make waves. It's one of the things that happens to us between kindergarten and adulthood. We learn to play it cool. We, we care about what everyone's thinking about us. But what if we have an experience of trust? We're like, oh, Jesus has got us. God still got the whole world in his hands. And in that process, we recapture that innocence. And dare I say, naivety, naivete, to where like, oh, God's gonna happen. We can try new things, we can step out. There can be a sense of boldness because we know God's got us and God's going to help us. When the man was healed and he stood up and the people were filled with wonder, they were filled with wonder because they saw God at work. Let's not lower our expectations and not give in to the temptation to fall asleep because things are too hard. I didn't read all of the passage because it's all the way in verse 19. But after Peter's sermon to, to the naysayers a little bit, he says this, and I think this is huge for us in this upcoming year. Acts 3.19, Peter says, Repent then and turn to God so that your sins may be wiped out, that times of refreshing may come from the Lord. All right. I'm willing to bet some of you tuned out the word repent and tuned in to the word refreshing. How many of you could use some refreshment after the past few years? How many of you could just put it in the comments below? Say me. How many of you could use some replenishment? But don't tune out that word repent. Like, I know it's a Christian-y word. If you've been in church a long time, you may say, okay, I've repented of everything, but I sure hope so-and-so heard that because they need to repent. Or maybe if you're, you're checking out Solid Ground Church and you're new to church, you've heard that word and you're thinking of someone with a, a pointed finger saying, repent. So I don't want us to miss that word. And repentance means to, to turn from the wrong way and to turn towards Jesus's way and start walking in that direction. But another way to say it is to take responsibility for our own deadness, to take responsibility for missing God and walking right by God without even noticing, to take responsibility for settling for less than we know who we are and who God's made us. Repentance is the process we go through to come alive again. I love that, that promise. If you repent, the time of refreshment will come. Refreshment, replenish, 
These are words I've been praying over our church and, and actually asking for in my own life in this, next, in this next year because it's more than just healing we need. We need to come back to life. When we, are, when we repent, it's restoring our life and restoring our senses and recovering our innocence. So my prayer for all of us is for us to think about what that means. Say, oh, I've fallen asleep again and not beat ourselves up over it, but to say, I'm not going the way my culture wants me to go. I'm gonna expect that God's gonna do something and I'm gonna expect that God is good and I'm gonna obey Jesus. So I wanna leave you with this story from a master storyteller named Bill Harley who sets up this setting of T-ball. For those of you who've ever uh, been to a T-ball game, it's absolute chaos. They put the ball on, on, a, on a little stick and a kid hits it. There's like 18 people on the field because everyone gets to play. Um, kids, are, kids are picking grass, kids are talking, kids are hitting each other with their baseball gloves. But there was one particular t-ball team that Bill described and uh, there was a girl on it, we'll call her Tracy. And he writes, Tracy had Coke bottle glasses and hearing aids in each ear. And she came every week, even though she wasn't good. She tried hard, but she never ever hit the ball, not even once, never even came close. Everyone on both sides, they always cheered for her anyway. But then came the last game of the season. Tracy came up to bat and through some fluke, or maybe it was just a nod to the law of averages, she creamed the ball. She smoked it right up the middle, through the legs of about 17 players who had all come close, expecting an easy out. And the kids dodged the ball and they went uh, as it went by and they were just kind of like looking at it. Didn't even, they were shocked. As it hit center field, seemingly gaining in speed, Tracy saw what she had done and she stood at home plate and she was just delighted at her feet. She was proud of herself. Then her coach said, run! Then the parents said, run! And everybody was on their feet screaming. All the other parents rose too. Run, Tracy, run, run! Tracy turned and smiled at them and she was happy to please, so she glumped off to first base. Keep going, Tracy, keep going, yelled the first base coach. She kept going. Tracy headed to second. By the time she was halfway to second, several, several members of the opposition had reached the ball and were passing it to themselves because there's an unwritten rule amongst the kids that every kid needs to touch the ball. And the ball began to make its long journey towards home plate. Tracy headed to thirds and the adults by this time, they were falling out of the bleachers. Go Tracy, go! Didn't matter whose kid was on what team, they're all cheering for Tracy. And she reached third base and stopped but she was very close to her parents and she got the idea. Tracy started for home and then it happened. During the excitement, no one had noticed the 12-year-old geriatric mutt that had lazily settled itself down in the bleachers just five feet from the third baseline. As Tracy rounded the base, the dog awakened all the screaming was going on. It sat up and it wagged its tail as Tracy as she headed towards home. The dog's tongue hung out a little bit, pulled back in that unmistakable canine smile, and Tracy stopped. She was right there, halfway home, 30 feet from a legitimate home run. 
Tracy looked at that dog. Her coach is screaming, come on, Tracy, go home. The crowd cheered, go, Tracy, go, Tracy. She looked at all the adults. She looked at her own parents who were screaming and shrieking. And they were catching it all on video, of course. And she looked at the dog. And the dog wagged its tail. She looked back at her coach. She looked at home plate. She looked at the dog. And everything went into slow motion. And she went for the dog. <laughs> it was a moment of complete, stunned silence. And then, it, like a 80s movie montage, montage the, the slow claps started. <laughs> she could have gone by the world's success and hit that home run, but she chose to stop. She chose uh, the path not traveled. Two roads diverged on a third baseline, and Tracy went for the dog. This year, the world's going to try to pull you into all kinds of nonsense, whether it's running after just pleasure rec recklessly, division, dysfunction, violence, the world, or, or some voice is gonna try to pull you into earning and proving your worth and value, making it on your own. Everyone might even cheer you on. Go work harder, serve more, do the externals. I pray you choose the better thing this year because when you do, God's smiling down upon you. It's not success the way this world has, has defined it. It's often slower. It's often quieter. It's often smaller than what the world says will give you peace and will fill your life with wonder and meaning. Don't let your expectations be lowered by the daily grind of life. Choose the dog. No, better yet, choose Jesus and follow Jesus this year. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we point our hearts towards you right now and your son, Jesus. Would you wake us up in this moment? Would you give us hope in this moment? And would you please um, raise our level of expectation for what you are going to do in our families this year, in our jobs, in our neighborhoods. God, use us for your glory. Help us to believe again that you can use us. You can still use us. Give us a fresh start today. And we ask that this year you would make us aware of you changing our lives like never before. In the mighty and strong and powerful name of Jesus, amen. Well. God bless you. I can't wait to be with you again next week. And until we're together again, you can always reach out to us at sgbic.com. You can leave us a, a, prayer, uh, a prayer request, but will you please reach out to us uh, right there on the main page and let us know what God's doing in your life, or better yet, let us know what you're expecting God to do? What, where, where do you need God to show up? Where do you want God to show up? We'd love to be a part of that process with you and cheer you on as you run towards Jesus. So until we're together again, may the Lord bless you and keep you and cause his face to shine down upon you. The Lord be gracious to you and give you his peace. In the name of the Father and Son and Holy Spirit, amen.